Again, with you, hope that you all are having a good summer. James was super excited and blessed to have the opportunity to have a couple of uh, weeks off. He said, Andres, it's the first time in a long time that I can just open my Bible and have my quiet time with any verse I want. <laughs> so, you know, it's, I'm glad that he's able to have that time with his family. So... Um, let's open up with 1 John, and let's uh, go straight there with the scripture, 1 John 5, 13 and 21. So today we're going to be closing uh, the book of 1 John. If I get the... There we go. Okay. Do I need to point there? Okay, here we go. Bear with me. <laughs> there you go. Here we go. First John five thirteen through 21. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that leads not, that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we're from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant us that we may in such a way hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I never had children of my own, uh, so to have grandkids, it has been a 
great blessing uh, from the Lord. And it has been wonderful uh, just to see them grow, see them learn and do new things. In, um, but as with all of us, as we're learning, we fail. And when they fail, they get discouraged. They don't think they can do it again. And unfortunately, sometimes when I see them discouraged, I speak truth to them. And I encourage them. And they perk up. They get encouraged again. And they're willing to give it another shot. And guess what? That's the same thing with each and every one of us. We don't go grow out of needing encouragement when we fall. When we fall, most of us doubt our abilities, doubt our convictions, doubt that we can continue in the path that we have taken. And God knows us. And when it comes to our spiritual walk, when we sin, when our prayers are not answered the way we expected, when we see others struggling in the church, we need to hear God speaking truth to us to encourage us and to help us persevere in our walk with Him. And that is exactly what God is doing in this passage. In this passage, God is reminding us of his truth so that we can be encouraged, that we can be confident of our relationship with him so that we can persevere. In this passage, God wants us to know that we have eternal life. And God wants us to know that because we have eternal life, we have confidence that we can know him. We have confidence that we can enter being his presence and pray boldly. And we have confidence that God is going to protect us from the evil one. En este pasaje, Dios quiere que sepamos que tenemos vida eterna. Y porque tenemos vida eterna, Dios quiere que sepamos que tenemos confianza de que podemos conocerlo, que tenemos confianza de estar en su presencia y orar con de nuevo, y que tenemos confianza que Dios nos va a proteger del maligno. But one thing first that we want to address is to, to clarify a little bit about what eternal life is. An eternal life is not just a state of living forever. Eternal life is a person, God himself. And in verse 20, we read that Jesus is the true God and eternal life. And in John 17, 3, Jesus tells us that eternal life is to know him. So guess what? We don't have to wait until we die to experience eternal life. We have eternal life right here, right now. And we have been created to glorify God, 
by knowing him. So from the moment that God saves us, we begin the journey of knowing him and enjoying him forever. And second, where does this confidence come from? Verse 20, we also read you know, that we have this confidence because we are in him. From God's point of view, when it comes to our relationship with him, you know, when he sees us, he sees Jesus. It is as if everything that Jesus did, we were doing it with him. So when God spoke to Jesus after his baptism and said, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, guess what? Daniel, Josh, Cal, Mary, Barbara, we can hear that too. You are my beloved son and daughter in whom I am well pleased. Because we are in him. So to our first point, we have confidence that we can know him. Punto número uno, tenemos confianza que podemos conocerlo. And we may ask ourselves, is it even possible to know a God that is so a being that is so other from us? A being that we cannot touch, see, hear? Is that just only an intellectual exercise for the theologians up there in their ivory tower? Can we really know God? Thankfully, we were created to know Him. That was God's intention in creating you and me. Therefore, He made a way for us to know Him. In Jesus, God Himself became flesh so we can see and hear and touch Him and know Him. Then He made sure that we have a series of books that were infallible and inerrant through which He revealed His character by way of His laws and His actions. And if that was not enough, then the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, is living in us and revealing his character to us. And a logical follow-up question can be, how do I practically know him? God has revealed himself in creation we can see that he is, that he exists. But the only way that he has chosen for us to know him is through his word. If we are not anchored in his word, we're going to be influenced by our sin-tainted intellect and or emotions, and we're going to end up creating a God after our own likeness. I have found very helpful in my growth in the knowledge of God, uh, two books that if you have not read, uh, I encourage you 
you to read. And number one is the attributes of God by A.W. Pink. And the other one is Knowing God by J.F. Hacker. I also use a personal uh, devotional. Uh, it's called Face to Face. I use volume two by Kenneth Boa that only uses scripture to lead us into prayer and meditation in five different categories. And in volume two, two of the categories are knowing God and the works of God. And in knowing God, J.R. Parker tells us, how are we to do this? How can we turn our knowledge about God into knowledge of God? The rule for doing this is simple but demanding. It is that we turn each truth that we learn about God into matter for meditation before God, leading to prayer and praise to God. Meditation is the activity of calling to mind and thinking over and dwelling on and applying to oneself the various things that one knows about the works and ways and purposes and promises of God. Packer also said that knowing God also involves being obedient to his commandments. So knowing God, yes, is simple but demanding. And I please, I don't want anybody to be getting a guilt trip from this. But a five-minute devotional while we are making breakfast or driving to work is not going to help us to know God. We're going to have to take time to sit and be quiet and study and meditate on His Word. It is just like we, will, we cannot know someone just by a simple text each day. That's not going to do it. So we have to set time aside just to sit under him. And I'm convinced that the number one strategy of the enemy is to keep us so busy and so distracted that we don't know, abide, that we're not being refreshed and strengthened as we just sit under God's banner of love. So wherever you are in your journey of faith, and again, please, no guilt trip. It's just the facts. God is a person. So just if you want to know a person, you need to spend time with them. So just Please just take some time. Even if it is two minutes at the beginning of your day, pick an attribute of God, meditate on it, and then just bring it up to mind for the rest of your day. So we have the confidence that we can know God. We have the confianza. Tenemos la confianza que podemos conocer a Dios. And number two, we have the confidence that we can come into his presence and be bold in asking him to be in him with prayer. So tenemos la confianza de estar en tu presencia y tener de nuevo 
ante Él con oración. In chapter 3, verse 21 and 22, John told us, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him, because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. And then here in verses 14 and 15, he tells us, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. That's an amazing promise. We have the requests that we ask of him. Therefore, it is important for us to figure out what it is to pray according to his will. And that means that we need to live in God's story, not ours. That we need to remind ourselves that we exist to know him and glorify him. That we are putting to death our sinful nature, our passions, that wants to continue to lead us to make life all about us and not about God and his kingdom. Listen to what James said in chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. What causes quarrels? What causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So many of our prayers are focused on our day-to-day issues of life. And we forget about the kingdom of God. And Jesus in the Lord's prayers told us, pray, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is a prayer of submission to God's will. It is a prayer of longing for us to see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, in our lives, and through our lives. And Tim Keller, in his book, Prayer, said, The more clearly we grasp who God is, the more our prayer is shaped and determined Accordingly, what this means is, is that the more that we know God, the more our prayers are going to be in line with his will and seeking to establish his kingdom on earth in our lives and through our lives. So you may be thinking, Andres, are you insinuating 
that I cannot be praying for any of my needs. I just need to be super spiritual and just focus on the kingdom of God. No. We are his children. We are in him. We have confidence to come into his presence and ask him about his kingdom and about anything that we have, any need that we have. As we continue to grow in the knowledge of God, as we continue to meditate on his infinite love for us, in his compassion, in his mercy, in his provision, in his power, in his sovereignty, we're going to be more bold than ever to pray. And why? Because we're going to know and we're going to have peace that when we hear no, because that was not the best for us. It was not his will for us. In Romans 8.32, God tells us through Paul, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Therefore, let us be bold in prayer. Let us come before our loving, wise, sovereign, powerful Father and ask Him for anything, knowing that He is going to provide for us what is good for us. Let us not be thinking that he, when He hears no, that He's keeping from us something good. What happens is that we forget that his ways are higher than our ways. And we tend to think that he is withholding good things from us. So when we pray for our healing or for the healing of someone else that we love and the healing doesn't come, we really, really have a hard time Believing that that was God's will. Understandably so. But wrongly so. And sometimes we take scripture out of context. And we make promises out of the scripture that are not really promises. And unfortunately with the faith and prosperity camp. They claim and come up with things from the scripture that are not promises and just leads to discouragement and to doubt God and to question him. God does heal. He does prosper us. He does give us healthy, wonderful marriage with godly children. But those are not promises. We live in the now and not yet. We are saved, but we are not experiencing the full completion. The kingdom of God has come, but it will not come in its fullness 
until Jesus returns. And yes, we do see heaven coming down to earth once in a while. But those are just acts of God's mercy and grace. Those are not promises. In Gethsemane, Jesus came boldly before his father. The man Jesus knew very well what his will was. And even then, he came to the father and asked if there is any other way for redemption to be accomplished without me having to die and be separated from you, Father, please choose that path. But he asked with a submitted heart, not my will, but yours be done. Therefore, let us come boldly before our Father, who loves us, who did not withheld his own son. And let's ask for the impossible, for the kingdom, for this church, for his church at large, and for our lives also. But always keeping in our hearts his kingdom, not my will, but yours be done. We do not make demands from God. We are called to pray by faith. We are called to persevere in prayer. However, we are thinking wrongly if we think that our faith and our perseverance is going to convince God to answer our prayers with a yes. We do not manipulate God. That's thinking that we're trying to convince God to do something good for us. Like if he didn't have our goodness in his heart. We do not come before a God who is reluctant to give us what is good for us. No, we are not. We're coming with confidence before a God who did not spare his own son but gave him up for all of us. So therefore, we can come before him boldly in prayer with a submitted heart, knowing if, that, if the answer is no, it's because that was not the best for us. And if that was not good enough, then God gives us his Holy Spirit so that we can pray according to his will. In Romans 8, 26 through 28, we read, Likewise, the Spirit helped us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we out. For the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings to deeper words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That is you and I. So we have confidence that we can know him. 
we have confidence to be in his presence and be bold in prayer before him. And we have confidence that God is going to protect us from the evil one. Tenemos confianza que podemos conocerlo. Tenemos confianza que podemos entrar en su presencia y orar con de nuevo. Y tenemos confianza que Dios nos va a proteger del maligno. Jesus prayed for his disciples before his death in John 17, 3. While I was with you, while I was with them, talking to the Father, I kept them in your name, which you had given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction that the scripture might be fulfilled. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Jesus is praying for their spiritual well-being, for their salvation. And Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 4.3, this is the will of God, your sanctification. So we need to remember that everything that comes away comes from God's wise and loving hand. God gave the devil rule over this world. However, he is still under God's rule. The evil one does not do anything on his own. He's a creature. He is not sovereign. So when we go through hard times, it's not like the, the devil cut God off guard. No. It is not biblical thinking for us to see God's protection of us from the evil one as protection from the things that naturally we consider bad that we face day to day, from the natural consequences of the moral and evil things that we experience in this world as a result of the fall. God's protection is for us to continue to be free from sin and to say no to our sinful passions and for him to, he has in mind our spiritual well-being. God's protection is for us to grow in our sanctification and ultimately for us to have eternal life. And we are in a spiritual battle. So therefore, we can put on the armor of God and we can stand knowing that God is protecting us. And therefore, we're going to persevere until the end. And yes, we're going to fall. And like John told us in chapter 2, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And we're not fighting this battle alone. We read in verse 16 that when we see a brother and sister sin, what are we to do? To go and start gossiping and telling everybody what they did? No. 
We are in the same battle. We're in the same trenches. We're struggling with the same sinful nature. We're still battling the, the evil one. So what do we do? We battle together. We encourage and support one another. We pray for one another. We use that boldness that we have to enter God's presence to pray for our brothers and sisters. And not only in this local church, but the church wide. The Christian walk is not meant to be walked alone. We need one another. So let's pray and support one another so that we can continue to grow and be transformed in the likeness of Christ and be salt and light wherever we are. I'm going to close with a quote from Paul's trip devotional, New Morning Mercies. It's a little long, so hang in there with me, okay? Jesus died for the sexual temptation that seems to get the better of you. He died for the materialism that seems to kidnap you. He died for your fear of the opinions of others. He died for the torment of your anxiety and the darkness of your depression. He died so you would have everything you need to live as he intended between the already of your conversion and the not yet of your resurrection. When you begin to understand the wonderful new identity and provision that is yours as his child, it really does change the way you think and the way you live. If he has granted you his full and complete acceptance even on your worst day, then why should you seek to get your inner peace from the acceptance of a flawed human being? When you begin to understand what you have been given in his right here, right now grace, you quit asking people, places, and things to be your savior. Brothers and sisters, we know that we have received eternal life. Therefore, be confident in the presence of your Father. Be confident that you can know Him. Be confident that everything that you ask according to His will, you will receive. Be confident that He has delivered you from the power of the evil one, that you will be sanctified and you will persevere until the end. And be confident because you are in Jesus, who is the true God and eternal life. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we may know you and the power of your resurrection, that you may fill us with the knowledge of your will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that we may walk in a manner worthy of you, pleasing you in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of you, 
and being strengthened with all power according to your glorious might.